Amen. How's everybody today? Good. Good to see you this morning. Uh, touch your neighbor, find a neighbor, tell somebody, say, you made a good decision today. <laughs> made a good decision. You know what that good decision was? Say, tell them to sit next to me. <laughs> and uh, so, so glad you could be here. And for those joining us online, welcome. Say hello in the chat to our online folks there. And uh, man, it was a good uh, beautiful thing. Uh, since our video from Pastor Chase didn't work, our online crowd, it worked for them, but didn't work for us in here. Just want to recap, really was just a thank you video for the combined Easter services we had last week. It was amazing. If you were here, thank you for how you served and what you did to make that come together so we could reach our community. Uh, a couple of quick things just to note about that. There were uh, over 583 people between all uh, between both campuses, and that wouldn't have been possible had we not partnered together because uh, two services over at Red were full, and, um, and they would have had to turn people away, and so there was probably close to 30 people here in each of our services from Red Church, and so uh, had we not partnered together, that wouldn't have been able to happen, and uh, man, it was just incredible, and uh, also the uh, excellent scavenger hunt we did was also, I want to thank everybody who gave candy, who served, who opened up their home, and it was really cool because it was both homes from Plaza and from Red uh, just working together. It was gathering the attention of people in the neighborhood as they saw these tents and they saw these signs out there, and it was just so incredible, and so I want to thank you guys for that, and it was so cool. And so, and then finally, really most importantly, we want to celebrate, and we shared this earlier, but there were 19 people who gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ last weekend, and so... Um, man, again, wouldn't have been possible had we not been partnering together. And we look forward to doing more of that as our church is, is discussing and praying. And uh, so we've got a prayer meeting tonight, 6 o'clock. want to come and just pray as we ask for God's wisdom, ask for God's leadership, and continue to seek His will uh, for our, the future of our church. And we're in this series really called Different, Different. And, um, you know, God has called us to live differently as believers. We are different than uh, the world. God's ways, uh, the Bible says, are not our ways. Amen? Uh, how many of you know that? And so when we come to Christ, we are to live different. We are to think different. We are to speak different than the world. And so uh, what does that look like? This, um, I'm getting a little extra feedback here, uh, Brother Donnie. I don't know if anybody else is getting that, but I'm getting it. And um, hearing one of me is already enough. Um, several of me is a little too much. And so this series, according to the ancient church calendar, is what we call Easter Tide. And it's really because um, it actually lasts for 50 days, celebrating, feasting the resurrection of Christ for 50 days. We kind of, you know, in our modern society, we go from one thing to the next, right? We see this, you know, big earthquake or volcano or something happen on the news, and then and 20 seconds later, we're past that, and now we're on to the shooting that happened here. And then after that, we're, we're on to the sex scandal that happened uh, with this politician. And, then we're, you know, and we're just kind of taught from, to go from one thing to the next, and our attention isn't very focused, amen? And part of that is good, because if, if you were to sit and marinate on the world news a lot, it would crush you, right? It is soul-crushing. And, um, and so part of that is, is okay, but we don't know how to sustain an event to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. I mean, hey, for Christians, every Sunday is Easter Sunday, amen? Because that's why we gather on Sunday. We're celebrating the resurrected Christ every single time we gather, and that's why it's so important. And so we're excited about that, and so it is different. And as we think about um, coming out of a pandemic, right, last year was a different year. 
and, and as we move forward in time, things are going to look different. We're not used to all these sorts of things, and God has called us into a new season. And then even as uh, maybe your life has changed, maybe your work has changed, it's different. Uh, maybe because you've been at home so much longer or whatever, it is different from what you've expected. And I just want us all to know that just because it's different doesn't mean God isn't there. Amen? God is there. God is there in the midst of it. Think about um, the, the, the children of Israel started with Abraham, and God called him to go to a different land. He said, Abraham, I'm going to start a covenant with you, and I'm calling you to go a different land, and I want you to follow me there. And Abraham didn't know where he was going. If you read the book of Genesis, it just says he just went with the Lord. He followed the Lord to the next place and the next place, and he didn't know where the promised land was. And then as uh, time went on and Abraham had descendants and all that sort of stuff, they eventually got put in slavery in Egypt. You may be familiar with that story in the scripture. And then God sent a deliverer, Moses, to free them from slavery. But listen, freeing them from slavery was different. In fact, the Israelites didn't really like being freed from slavery, ironically enough which seems crazy, but we kind of act this way too. At one point, because what Moses was doing and because they were walking through the wilderness and it wasn't comfortable for them, they actually begged Moses, Moses, can we go back to slavery? Because at least we knew what to expect, right? But see, God has us constantly trusting in him because we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. And so sometimes when we get comfortable, um, we trust in ourselves, and we're not trusting in God. We're not walking by faith. And so the title of today's message is called Out of Comfort. And sort of the big idea that we're working with today is this. Comfort kills, but obedience brings life. Comfort kills, but obedience brings life. You can write that down. I want to encourage you to take some notes. Comfort kills, but obedience brings life. And God has called us always to be obedient to him, to walk with him. I don't know about you, but I like comfort. I like to be comfortable. I like to sit in the comfortable spot on the couch. I like to make sure my chair is comfortable, the room temperature is comfortable. I like to be able to get my feet up. And um, we have some pillows on the couch. Anybody else have pillows on your couch? Amen. Too many pillows on the couch, right? Okay. See, Typically, you know, it's, it's the women who think there's not enough pillows on the couch, and it's the men who want to get rid of it. In my house, it's the opposite. My wife is like, get rid of these pillows. And, uh, and I'm like, no, I like them. They make my back comfortable. And so I want to be comfortable. I don't care necessarily what it looks like. And she's like, get rid of the pillows. And I like comfort. And, um, but, you know, comfort, again, can, can have these sorts of things where it lulls you into sleep and can be deadly uh, when we want to do what we want to do. I remember one time um, when I was a kid, my mom worked for the airlines, and so uh, that allowed us to travel places that we probably couldn't have traveled um, because of cost, because our airfare was essentially free as a family, and, um, and so we got to fly all kinds of places we probably never would have been able to go, and so one time, we took a trip to Jamaica, and, um, and we were excited, and so I think we flew to Florida or somewhere, and then from Florida to Jamaica, but uh, when we got to the, the tip of Florida, we took a small little plane. Normally, you know, from Virginia to Florida, we took a nice big plane, a regular-sized person plane, a safe plane. But all of a sudden, we're in Florida, and, and now it's like, yeah, it's just a short little, it's like 20 minutes to Jamaica or whatever, and you're going to get on this plane. I mean, this plane looked like my minivan. And, um, and you fit like 25 people in there, 
And uh, it's got some little props in there. And I was just like, man, I mean, I've been on some smaller planes before. We've flown a lot. But uh, I was just really kind of like, man, uh, this is going to be interesting. And then for whatever reason, the, uh, the flight was crazy. I mean, there was turbulence. And it was like, you know, and I just thought my life uh, was going to end. And we would never make it to Jamaica. And, um, and I certainly didn't, didn't have any, um, you know, no problem, man. You know, I didn't have any of that. I had some problems on that flight. And uh, my wife was actually reading a book by Max Lucado, and he was talking about something very similar because uh, he was saying a good pilot, a good pilot does what is necessary to take care of his passengers. A good pilot does what is necessary to get his passengers home. And so he was talking about a flight very similar to mine. He said, uh, the flight attendant told us all to take our seats because of the impending turbulence. But it was kind of a rowdy flight. People were talking in the aisles. People were up, walking around. People were going to the bathroom, and people were just having all around. I don't know if it was like one big family on the plane or what, but they just seemed to be a rowdy crowd on that flight. And uh, the folks weren't quick to respond to the flight attendants, um, you know, asking them to sit down. So she um, warned us again. She said, the flight is about to get bumpy. For your own safety, take your seats. Most did, but a few didn't. So then she changed her tone a third time. Ladies and gentlemen, for your own good, take your seats. Max Lucado says, I thought everyone was seated, but apparently I was wrong because now I heard another voice. The other voice came moving over the speakers. This is Captain Brown. People have gotten hurt by going to the bathroom instead of staying in their seats. Let's be very clear about your responsibilities. My job is to get you through the storm. Your job is to do what I say. Now sit down and buckle up. He says about that time, a sheepish guy came out of the bathroom with a grin on his face, highly embarrassed, and ran to his seat. But listen, here is really the key question. Do you and I, how far do you want God to go in order to get your attention? How far do you want God to go in order to get our attention? If God has to choose between your eternal safety and your earthly comfort, what do you want him to choose? Your eternal safety or your earthly comfort. God loves us. He loves us so much that he is going to call us out of comfort when it is killing us, and he's going to call us because the Bible says God is a God of life. John 10.10 says this, the thief, that's the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God says, I have come that you may have life. Y'all have life this morning? Touch your neighbor, tell them life. Make sure they're awake. Some of y'all need an energy drink to bring you life. Somebody told me they forgot their energy drink today, and... um, Right, God has called us to life. Yeah, he's ready, right? And so listen, if God sees you standing when you should be sitting, if God sees you at risk rather than in safety, how far do you want him to go to get your attention? The story was also told about a man who once dared God to speak. He said, God, God, I want you to speak to me. So he said, God, burn the bush like you did for Moses, and I will follow you. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, and the walls of Jericho will will fall down, and then, God, I will fight for you. God, still the waves of of the sea like you did on Galilee with Jesus and the disciples, and God, I will listen. And so the man sat by a bush, 
sat near a wall and then went close to the sea and he waited for God to speak. And God heard the man and so God does what he always does. He always answers us, amen? So God answered him. But he sent a fire. He didn't send it to a bush, though. He sent it to the church. And he brought down a wall, not a wall of brick, but he brought down a wall of sin. And God stilled the storm, not of the sea, but he stilled the storm of a soul. And God waited for the man to then respond. But the man didn't respond, and God waited, and God waited, and God waited. But because the man was looking for bushes, not hearts, because the man was looking for bricks, not lives, because the man was looking for seas and not souls, he decided that God had done nothing. And so he said, God, have you lost your power? God, have you lost your might? God, where are you? And then God responded to him and he said, man, have you lost your hearing? Man, have you lost your vision because you're looking at the wrong things. So we tend to look at the wrong things as human beings, and God has called us to look differently, to look for souls, to look for hearts, to look for life change, not just bricks and bushes and seas. And so God is working on us, and it is going to look differently. The future of our church is going to look differently, but the mission remains the same. We're going to continue to pursue God. I mean, even this room looks differently than it did last time we were in. And so how do we navigate this? God does speak to us, and he is working, and he's calling us out of comfort so that we can experience life and true life as we follow him, as we think about these disciples that Brother Mike read the scripture for us. So point number one, if you're taking notes, you can read this on the outline. Obedience requires repentance because we are walking to be obedient. God is calling us towards obedience. Obedience requires repentance. You know what repentance is, right? It's that big churchy word nobody likes to really talk a whole lot about. But if we're going to be obeying God, there has to be some repentance going on. Repentance simply means this. It means a change of mind. Everybody say mind. Mind, it means a change of mind. It means a change of heart. Everybody say heart. Do we have a change of mind and a change of heart? That's what it means really to become a Christian. See, a lot of people are comfortable in their sin. Let's just be honest. Right. And we think, listen, God, if I can have my sin and have you, too, then, you know, things will be cool because I can kind of get what I want. But, you know, I don't I, I want to go to heaven and all that sort of stuff. And so I, I try to keep both of those. And some of some people straddle the fence when it comes to sin and holiness. And you can't straddle the fence. You've got to make a choice. And that choice involves repentance. I'd just like to say it like this. Repentance really involves a U-turn. I stop going my way. And I turn, and now I embrace God's way. Now, do I do that perfectly? No. I don't do that perfectly. You don't do that perfectly. But I'm, I'm in the process of turning my back on that, and I'm embracing this. And when I do things wrong, I'm like, God, I've messed up. And, and God, I'm coming to you. And so obedience requires repentance, not trusting in ourselves. And in order to be a Christian, there has to be this really wholesale, turn my back on my way of doing things and embracing God's way. Because God is calling me out of the comfort, the things that I crave, and he's calling me to life in himself. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Maybe you've heard this verse before. It's a very familiar verse. We teach it to kids, but I think it's great for adults to memorize too. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in who? The Lord, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your what? 
Man, do not lean on your own understanding. So we have our own understanding when it comes to relationships. We have our own understanding when it comes to finances. We have our own understanding when it comes to raising kids. We have our own understanding when it comes to sexuality. We have our own understanding, all these things. And God is saying, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean upon your own understanding. Then it says this, in all of your ways. How many of your ways? All of your ways. See, we like to give Jesus some of our ways. Not all of them. In all of your ways acknowledge him, or some translations will say this, because some of us are like, yeah, I acknowledge God. Uh, God, I'm thinking about getting into a relationship with this person, so can you, like, please help me? And, um, and we haven't, like, really searched this person's character. We haven't searched the scriptures. Does this person love Jesus? Do they have the kind of character that would bring them honor, that sort of stuff? You know, God, I, I, I want to do this, and God, I just want to buy a car, and, and God, I acknowledged you in that, so please help me instead of really the term for acknowledge is submit or surrender. So in all of your ways, submit to him, and then he will what? Make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. And so obedience always requires turning from my understanding and embracing God's understanding. So let me ask you that question. Is that something you do often? Do you turn from your own understanding, and do you embrace God's ways? Do you look for God's ways, or do you just kind of like, eh, just kind of do my own thing, and maybe if, if I need some help, I'll ask God. That's what we like to call spare tire Jesus, right? I keep Jesus in the trunk in case I die. He'll take me to heaven, but I just really keep him in the trunk. And when I need him, I'll go to the back of the car and let him out of the trunk when I need him. Instead of like the song goes, no, Jesus, take the wheel, and I might as well get in the trunk, and you just take me where you want me to go, Amen. But see, this is what repentance is, is saying, God, I turn from my understanding, and I just want your understanding of things. And so that is hugely important. Luke, actually, let's just go to the verse here. We're going to jump into the text, right? We're in Matthew. Um, so if you have your Bibles, be there with us, join us in um, Matthew chapter 4, the verses that Michael read for us. Verse 17 says this. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, what's the word? Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is coming. The world is broken. The world is infected with sin all across the globe. And God is bringing his kingdom to bear. It's an invasion. It's an invasion of the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God into this broken, messed up world. And so he says, in order for the kingdom to come, we have to repent. Right? Turn from our ways and embrace God's ways. Turn from our ways and embrace God's ways. So verse in Luke, Luke 9, 23, always enjoy this verse. It's a good reminder. Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone, if who? Anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross one time. Daily, right? I need to take up my cross probably 1,700 times a day, right? That's the way I've got to do it, you know, multiple times a day. Take up, deny yourself, take up your cross. And how many of you know a cross is not an easy thing to carry, amen? Take up your cross daily and follow me. This is part of following Jesus is that repentance and I take up my cross in order to follow Christ. And then um, it's important for us just to kind of understand this. I remember when I became a Christian, I had to turn from my way of doing things. And all of a sudden, there were these things going on in my heart. 
And I couldn't explain it. Why did I want to not want to do these things that I used to do? There was just a new desire in my heart that God planted there. And, um, and there was strength to overcome temptation. And so I, I, I didn't have the same uh, desire that I had before. I didn't always want to hang out with the same people that I was hanging out with before. I mean, I, I still did, but there was some new desire that it was, that was building up in me. All of a sudden, when I'm watching something or I'm listening to something that was inappropriate or wrong, I just think, man, this, this ain't right. This is not, I'm part of this new kingdom now. And, and man, I'm, I realize how destructive this stuff is to people and how destructive it was to me. And man, I got to get away from that. And so God was changing me through repentance. One writer said it this way. I love this quote. He said, our desire, our desire should never take priority over God's direction. Am I helping you? Our desire, see, sometimes we have desires. It should never take priority over God's direction. Am I following God's direction? So point number one is repent, right? Because obedience requires repentance. Point number two is this. Obedience requires a decision of faith. Obedience requires a decision of faith. Jesus would often talk and preach, and he wouldn't just say, repent, and that's it, that's the end, but he would say, repent and believe. Repent and believe. See, there has to be faith. There has to be a trust. There has to be a decision. In fact, one of the scriptures um, that points us out is Mark 1.15, Jesus saying, this, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It says this, what? Repent. There's only one person still awake. Repent and what? And believe the gospel. The gospel is a declaration of good news. Again, this is about life. It's about good news. Repent and believe the good news. Faith. Listen to me now. Faith is more than just head knowledge, right? A lot of people say, I believe in God. But man, is there decisions, are there actions to back that up? It's more than head knowledge, it's heart knowledge, which affects your life and our obedience. So faith is a decision, but it has action to it. It has trust, it has a choice. Let's look back at our main text here. This is Jesus calling his disciples, right? And in Matthew 4, again, the passage that we read earlier, verse 18, it says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Notice this is important here. Notice that he's stating that they were fishermen. See, God is about to call them to something different. It's going to look similar, but it's still going to be different. But notice the past tense, so they were fishermen. Verse 19 says this, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of Men, fishers of mankind, fishers of people, men, women, and children is the phrase there. So don't get too caught up. And I'll make you fishers of mankind. So this is the invitation from Jesus to his disciples. I want you to leave what's familiar. I want you to leave what's comfortable. And I want you to come find life with me. And you need to make a decision of faith. And you need to come and trust me and follow me. Have you done that? That's the question. Then notice what happens here, right? The next verse, what they do, verse 20. Immediately, immediately, when? Immediately they left. See, they had to leave something. They left what was familiar to them. They left their nets and they what? Followed him. 
They leave one thing to go to the next thing. They left what was comfortable, what was familiar, because Jesus was leading them, and they knew they could trust Jesus. Now, in case you're like, hey, I'm new to the Bible. What's going on here? Did Jesus just meet these guys, and they just followed them like that? No, Jesus had been working. Uh, Matthew's gospel uh, is, is telling it from Matthew's perspective. But if you read the other gospels, it, it talks about they had some early interactions with Jesus. And so they had seen Jesus do miracles already. Uh, one of the first miracles he did was at a wedding, and he changed water into wine. And, um, and, and so they had seen Jesus teaching. They had interacted with him. And so they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They had had some experience with him. And now he calls them higher. Now he calls them to a different season. Now he calls them out of comfort. You're used to, notice, you're used to these nets. You're used to doing this. But I want you to follow me now. Are you willing to do that? That's the question for all of us. Am I following Jesus, whatever he's calling me to do? Are you willing to leave your comfort and your nets to follow Jesus? Then look at the next uh, set of verses there. Notice verse 21. Now we come to the other set of brothers says this, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. He called them, just like he's calling you, sir, ma'am, young person. He's calling all of us. And then verse 22, they have a decision to make, a decision of faith, right? Immediately, when? Immediately, then notice what they did. They left. They left the boat. They left their father. These are the things that are familiar to them. These are the things that are comfortable to them. But they left those things because there was something better. Amen? It says they followed him. They followed Jesus. Man, are you willing? Am I willing? As a church, are we willing to leave what's comfortable? As we think about the future of our church, we're willing to leave what's comfortable and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I remember when um, Pastor Lee, who was a pastor here for almost 30 years, asked me to come be the youth pastor here. I was scared out of my mind. And, um, and I said, I, I'm, 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 I'm not ready for that. You know, and I gave every excuse. In fact, I turned him down the first time, and I went to go teach. And I was teaching in North Carolina and I was miserable because God, it wasn't just Pastor Lee, but it was God who was calling me to pursue this, but I was running away from it. I was not willing to leave my comfort zone because I was trained as a teacher, and I was used to that. I just felt like, man, this whole church thing is still kind of new for me, and I don't know, and all this sort of stuff, and, and I just didn't have the faith to step out. But how many of you are grateful that God doesn't leave you alone? That God continues to pursue you, lovingly, gently. And if we don't keep listening for a while, God sometimes has to help us, right? And, um, and so, but when God called again, I said, okay, I'll try this, right? That was, that was the famous word. I'll try this. Me and my wife, we, we moved back to this area and we said, all right, we'll try ministry. And then here we are, right? Almost 18 years later. And so, uh, but listen, and we have experienced life. We have experienced life because we obeyed Christ, but it took a decision it was a decision of faith. It wasn't, or couldn't sit on the fence and, and live both ways. We had to leave what was comfortable. We had to forsake those things and follow Christ and make that decision by faith. You may be familiar with the song. This is an old song. It's actually written in 1936. It's called Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. And uh, it's an old classic song sung 
uh, for many years in the church. Wherever he leads, I'll go. See, I was singing earlier, and they told me I couldn't sing very good. Um, I just don't understand why they keep telling me that. Oh, thank you. Siri. Yes, Siri agrees, apparently. So. Lord, is that you? And, uh, and so... The song was written in 1936 by a guy named B.B. McKinney, and he was at a church conference back in those days. They called it a Sunday school conference. And, um, and so they were at this conference, and uh, there was a missionary who had come off the field. The missionary was retired. He was forced to come home. He was a missionary in Brazil uh, because doctors um, had said, listen, uh, you, you can't go back to the mission field. You're, you're going uh, to die. And, um, and so this missionary was there. He was discouraged. But B.B. McKinney, who was uh, a songwriter and all that sort of stuff, and he was there getting ready to speak, and he asked this missionary, he said, well, what are your future plans? And the missionary simply responded with this phrase, wherever he leads, I'll go. If I go back to the mission field, that's where I'm going to go. Uh, if that means I stay here, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And um, and B.B. McKinney went back to his hotel room and just couldn't get that phrase out of his mind. He just, man, wherever he leads, go. Like, am I living that kind of life? Wherever he leads, God, I'll go. Am I, am I truly doing that? And then he just said the words started coming to him, the words of that song. So he wrote that song just in his hotel room. And then he was scheduled to preach that night at the conference. And, um, and he said, man, instead of preaching, I want to introduce to you this new song. And uh, so he, he premiered a brand new song, which is very old to uh, many of us in this room. But at one time, all songs were new, right? And, um, and so brand new song. I want to teach you guys this brand new song. And if you're not familiar with it, I want to share the lyrics for you. I won't read it to you. But it says this, take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I give my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know. And in that, I will now abide. Because wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Because wherever he leads, I'll go. So y'all are getting it. Y'all are going to have to finish it now. Now he says this, it may be through the shadows dim or over the stormy sea, but I'll take up my cross and follow him wherever he leadeth me. Because wherever he leads, y'all finish it? Wherever he leads, wherever he leads, I'll follow my Christ who loves me so because wherever he leads, I'll go. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, my Lord and King, because wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so, because wherever he leads, I'll go. Man, the challenge is there for me, for you. Are we willing to follow Christ, who loves us so, wherever he leads us. That's what I want to do with my life. I pray that's what you want to do with your life. But it requires, listen, a decision. Just like I had to make a decision, I had to step out. And I had to make that decision. It's a decision of faith. So, listen, obedience requires a decision. You can't say, I'm obeying God and sitting on your hands. No, I have to get off 
the fence, and I have to make that decision. And thirdly and finally is this. Obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings blessings. Man, that's so encouraging, isn't it? You could put this, obedience brings life. Again, we're called out of comfort, and we're called to life. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life abundantly. Obedience brings blessings. Used to have a pastor say this, like, God is standing over here with an umbrella, and we're standing out in the rain, and God is simply calling us to come over here and stand under his umbrella. But most of us are over here in the rain saying, God, why am I getting wet? Why is this happening? And God's like, I've been over here the whole time. You haven't obeyed. I've been calling you over here, and if you would come and listen, if you would come obey and take that step of faith, you would be out from underneath the rain. And we're wondering, why is my life going through this? Why is this happening? Why are my finances like this? Why and I'm not saying it's always tied to those things, so this is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying if you have more faith, you'll automatically be healthy, uh, wealthy, and wise. That's not what I'm saying, no. But in general, when we obey, there are blessings. And, and those blessings may be financial. Those, those blessings may be health. But sometimes it's just that peace that I navigate the health crisis. It's that peace and that confidence I have to navigate the financial crisis and say, look, Man, my finances are a hot mess, and, and, and my, my workplace has fired me, but, man, wherever he leads, I'll go. I'm, I'm standing underneath his umbrella, so I'm good. The world can do whatever they want to me. I'm good because I've got Christ, and I'm, I'm good. So we're talking about blessings in all different levels here, but obedience always brings blessings. Look what happens in the rest of the text. Uh, again, Matthew 4, verse 23 through 25 says this. And he, that's Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming. Notice what it says. The gospel, or that's good news, right? That's life. The gospel of the kingdom. And again, the kingdom brings with it blessings because it's God's kingdom. God's kingdom is life. Satan's kingdom is death and darkness, right? The gospel of the kingdom, and look what happens when the kingdom comes. These are the ways of the kingdom. Notice what happens. Healing every disease, every affliction among the people. Verse 24, so his fame, his fame spread throughout all of Syria. That's a larger geographical region. And they brought to him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, and great crowds, what kind of crowds? Great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan, notice again the historical geographic references there that he's giving us. His fame is spreading and these great crowds are coming. Now imagine if the disciples had said, we're fishing, we're doing our nets. Hey, listen, Jesus, you're cool and all. I mean, you've done some neat things, but this is my father's business, Zebedee. I mean, we can't leave the family business. If we left him, we left the boats. I mean, not just, I would be crazy. If Peter and his brother Andrew didn't leave their fishing nets, guess what they would have missed out on? All the blessings that God was calling them to be a part of as the disciples of Christ. They got to be there and experience these healings. Could you imagine going from your everyday fishing and to now like you're seeing Jesus just heal, you know, cast out demons and heal these people? And you're like, what is happening? You know, I mean, they would have missed out on the blessings. So obedience always requires blessings. We've got to be obeying. 
And I'm wondering, and, and I'm praying, and I want to invite you again to pray tonight. Come with us, you know, 6 o'clock as we pray for the future of our church. We believe God is calling us to a different season as we think about merging with our brothers and sisters in Christ at Red Church, man, and, and get to experience the blessings like we did last week of seeing lives change, of seeing the gospel continue to go out, to seeing, man, our community come to know Christ, seeing marriages healed and kids and teenagers, like all those sorts of things happening. It's going to look different, but, man, if God is calling us to do this, we had better say, wherever he leads, I'll go. Because if Christ is there, that's really where I want to be. And is that level of obedience that we have, that's where I'm at. And so there's a story I heard about uh, uh, John uh, Galbraith. He was a Harvard-educated economist and involved in politics uh, many years ago, served with four different presidential administrations back in the 70s. And... Um, he had he had, had uh, he, he wrote a book um, uh, about his life and all that sort of stuff. And one of those chapters was about his housekeeper and, and someone who had uh, sort of been like his assistant. Uh, and her name was Amelia Gloria Wilson. And so he had had a particularly long day, a trying day. And he went home and he did what is often something each of us should do, something very spiritual. He decided he was going to take a nap. Amen. How many of you know that's spiritual? <laughs> Just wait another 10 minutes, okay? All right. Some of y'all have tried to jump ahead and be super spiritual and catch a nap in here. And, um, but I see you. You're doing well. You're doing better. Uh, some of y'all are doing better. And, um, and so he took a nap, and he said, listen, don't let anybody disturb me. I, I, it's been crazy. All this stuff is going on. And so um, Emily Gloria Wilson said, okay, I got it. And, um, and so shortly thereafter, the phone rang. And Lyndon Johnson, President Lyndon Johnson, called him from the White House. And he said, this is President Lyndon Johnson. Please get me Ken Galbraith. And she said, he is sleeping, Mr. President. And he said not to disturb him. And the president said, do you know who you're talking to? This is the president of the United States of America. I said, get me Ken Galbraith. I need to talk to him. Wake him up. And she said, sir, I will not do that. You are the president of the United States of America, but I don't work for you. I work for Mr. Galbraith, and so you will have to call back after his nap time. Now, he got up from his nap, was told the story, all that sort of stuff. But here is really the kicker of the story. President Johnson called back and said, I want that lady out of your house, and I want her working at the White House. <laughs> she knows obedience. She understands protocol. I want that kind of person in, in my administration. And listen, obedience always brings blessings. But it takes faith. Some of us are scared to obey God. And listen, we have got to obey him. And so an action step I want us to think about this week is how is God calling you out of comfort and into obedience? How is God calling you out of comfort and into obedience? Is it your finances? Do you have the habit of giving and being generous, tithing? Is that a habit, something you do? I know some of us would just like to tip God and just throw in a little tip jar for God, like, hey, here you go, God, thanks for a good week, you know. Uh, but that's not the same thing as the habit of generosity where my heart is overflowing and my hand is open saying, God, wherever you lead, I'll go. And I'm going to make giving regular part of my life. 
Is that something you're willing to step out in, faithfully doing? What are you holding back from? Are you willing to be obedient? Because listen, obedience will bring blessings. Is it forgiveness? Is there a grudge you're holding against someone? A family member, a neighbor, someone right next to you, and you need to get that grudge taken care of. And you haven't been willing to step out in faith, because again, I know that faith is scary, and be different. Is it with church? I know some of us are watching online, some of us are just coming back, or maybe you're just starting the habit, you just came today, and do you need to make that a regular habit and say, you know what, I know I need to be there, I know I need to be growing. For those watching online, maybe you're just comfortable watching online, right? As I heard some folks today said, I'm tired, Pastor, but I'm here, right? And it was so tempting to sit at home and, and watch online and praise God. And she stated, I know I'll feel better when I leave. And, um, and so listen, are we willing to make that habit? Is it our sexuality, right? Is it that part of our lives that still has not come underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ and you are unwilling to take God by faith and say, no, God, these are the ways you've told me to act and operate. And so, God, I'm going to obey you in this. The world is telling me this. My sinful heart is telling me that. My desires pull me this way. There's pornography. There's sex outside of marriage or sleeping with other people struggling with the sin of homosexuality, are we willing to put those things and say, God, I see your ways are better than my ways. I'm going to trust you. Is it with sharing your faith? You know that you should be bold with the Lord Jesus Christ and you, you, you haven't stepped across that line. You're not going to receive the blessings. Is it with this merger, you know? Um, and uh, are, are we willing as a church to come out of our comfort zone and say, God, we believe you're calling us to something different, to something higher. We want to experience, God, your blessing. What are those things? All I can tell you is this, with any of those things, I, I can't tell you for sure how any of those things will work out, but I know this. When you take a step closer to Jesus, your life will be infinitely better than it was before when you were living in the comfort you thought you had. My life has been infinitely better because I step, took a step closer to Jesus and I wanted to be closer to him, amen? And so this week, Man, can we take a step closer to Jesus? If you're here today and you don't know Christ personally, you're watching online, you don't know Christ personally, you haven't, listen, repented of your sins and then believed and trust the gospel, let me encourage you to do that. You may be sitting in church. You sat in church 100,000 times before and you've never stepped across the line. You've got a head knowledge, but you don't have a heart knowledge. Look at what Romans 6.23 says. I love this verse. I think this kind of sums it up. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is what? Death, the wages of sin is death. That's what Satan always brings to us. That's what disobedience brings and a lack of faith brings. The wages of sin is death. But notice what it says. Oh, man. But the gift of God, the free gift of God is free to everybody. Your sins, my sins can be forgiven. The free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of us are comfortable in our sin. And unwilling to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to become a Christian. Would you do that today? I want to take a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed. And those watching at home, I want to invite you to pray with us. If for the very first time you would like to receive Christ. I want to invite you to repeat this prayer. There's no magic words. You can do it online, just in the quietness of your heart. You can do it right here in this room in the quietness of your heart. You might want to say something like this, just in the quietness of your heart, you might want to say this, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. If you mean this and you want to become a child of God, you can just repeat it. 
Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. God, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. God, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. And I turn right now for my sins. I turn right now for my sins. And God, I want to embrace your ways. God, I want to embrace your ways. Because I realize your ways are life. God, I realize your ways are life. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. Jesus, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a connection card in your bulletin, connection card online. Let us know. We want to help you grow in your faith. Yes, it is different, and what God calls us to do is different, but we want to be wherever Jesus is, calling us out of comfort and calling us to life. Amen? So, church, may we continue to uh, walk with the Lord, continue to be near Him, because I'm telling you, being near Him is better than any other place you or I could think of. So we're going to catch a quick update from Amanda on some closing announcements, and then uh, Scott will give us some information, and then uh, Brother Donnie will close us in prayer. All right, folks, um, it's so awesome to be able to meet with you guys. Um, we've been shut down, and now we're back online, which is great. I uh, just wanted to uh, remind you guys that 